Uh, the reading is taken from uh, Matthew, and it's chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Derry, so much. Um, people come to church for all kinds of reasons, and they join a church community for all kinds of reasons. A friend of mine told me that he joined this church community because he had heard stories um, from different kinds of locations of things that a number of you were doing in the city. So uh, he was hearing stories of people coming out of debt. He was hearing stories of the, of the hungry being fed. He was hearing stories about people being prayed for, the sick being prayed for in the streets and so on. And it seemed to lead to this particular church community. And one day he met someone who I think was a previous archdeacon. Uh, and he said to him, uh, so, you know, tell me about Exeter Network Church. What is, what is it? And... Um, uh, well, this tells you a lot. The archdeacon let out a very long sigh <laughs> and uh, looked at him for quite a long time. And then he said, oh, I think you just better go and have a look. And so my friend came and, uh, and he arrived over here. And the first time he came, as he literally walked through the door and joined this community, he felt the presence of God fall upon him in a way that he'd never experienced in his life. And it was as if heaven came to earth in his life. And, uh, and he, he said that he experienced God close to him in a visceral way, in a physical way. And his view of God and his experience of God and his knowledge of God and of the church changed from that moment onwards. So he stayed as part of this community. And in this kind of post-COVID time, people are reassessing their relationship with church. They're partly reassessing whether they want to be part of church at all, because they may not have really connected much for a year or two. They are reassessing which church community they want to belong to. And, uh, and there's a general sense of flux and a general sense of... Um, you know, a little bit of tiredness over the last uh, couple of years in particular. And it's forced to ask, our, uh, we've, we've been forced to ask ourselves some essential questions about what the church is. What is the church about and what is the church for? And a number of us had this conversation during the particularly uh, like COVID times 
uh, you know, why do we exist? And since we planted, we had a number of different ways of thinking about ourselves. And you'll remember, if you've been around for quite a long time, that we talked about a church high, wide, deep, and long, or a church that's strong at the core and blurred at the edge, and so on. But we decided to really major on a phrase that comes from Jesus' prayer, the Lord's Prayer, which is, on earth as in heaven. On earth as in heaven is the reason why we exist as a church community, and in fact, the reason why the church as a whole exists on earth as in heaven. And on earth as in heaven is shorthand for, if you know the Lord's Prayer, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as in heaven. So may your kingdom come on earth, as in here, in, in where we live. May your will be done on earth, where we live, just as it's done in heaven. So you've got two dimensions. You've got earth, that's our neighborhood. And you've got heaven, which I guess is God's neighborhood. It's his dimension. It's where uh, he gets to say what gets done all the time. So the kingdom is equated with God's will. So if you like, the kingdom of God is where what God wants done is done. So in heaven, in God's dimension, in God's neighborhood, God's will is done pretty well, I guess. You know, uh, he gets his say. And where, what he wants done is done. But God's will on earth is not done perfectly, is it? It's, is it? No, good. I mean, we're not going to do panto all day, but uh, it's, you know, God's will is not done well. You only need to, uh, you know, either look outside, read the newspapers, watch the telly, or look in your own heart. You know that God's will is not done as it is done in heaven. So our prayer is, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. And when that's done exponentially, that's when revival is happening. Because what God wants done is being done everywhere. People are turning to God and finding hope and healing. And things are changing for them and for their families and communities and the institutions of which they're a part and so on. So the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, as Bob opened up last week... uh, was Jesus' favorite subject. It's what he talked about most of the time. And Jesus was an inveterate storyteller. And most of his stories would start by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this, or it's like that. Or uh, imagine, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It was his favorite subject. And he would talk about it all the time. Because he knew when heaven comes to earth, as it did in his person uniquely, then things happened. People were changed. And Matthew, uh, which is, uh, we read, uh, Derek read a little bit of Matthew's gospel earlier. Matthew foregrounds Jesus' teaching about the kingdom. So the other gospels foreground some other things like um, Jesus being on mission or works of power or that kind of thing. But Matthew really, really majors on the teaching, the stuff that Jesus said. And most of the stuff Jesus said was about the kingdom. His second favorite subject was money, but I'm not going to talk about that today. You can look forward to that on another day. Uh, but, but what he talked about most of the time was the kingdom of God. And he starts his, his long sermon in Matthews 5-7, to which is called the Sermon on the Mount, literally because he's, he's sitting on a mountainside talking to people. Uh, and he starts it with uh, eight sayings. And if you have any passing cursory knowledge of the scriptures, you've probably heard them, and you heard them just now. Things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's one saying. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. comforted. That's another. And they've been come to known as the Beatitudes. And there are eight Beatitudes that start the Sermon on the Mount. 
and they're designed to be memorized. There are two sets of four Beatitudes, and in each set there's 36 words in the original Greek, and there is a lot of alliteration. And so alliteration, using the same letter to start different words, uh, helps you memorize things. That's why preachers often say, I've got three points beginning with P, and then, the, then you try and remember them. But this is, but this is easily memorable, memorable stuff, particularly if you spoke ancient Greek. But it is memorable stuff in the English as well. It's one of the very high points in Scripture. And it is well enough, if you're old enough, it's well enough to have been parodied, well known enough to be parodied by Monty Python, along the lines of Blessed are the Cheesemakers, uh, from someone who can't quite hear what's being said at the back of the crowd. Now, the thing is, these are all beautiful statements. Just as those, you, hear, you hear beautiful statements at a wedding, love is patient, love is kind, and so on. But here are some beautiful statements about blessed are these people, blessed are those people, and so on. It sounds lovely, but what does it mean? What does it really mean? Well, let's see how we got to this teaching. And Bob talked a little bit about it last week. When Jesus comes on the scene and he wants to kick off his public life, he, he comes with a proclamation. He comes with a, an announcement. And as Bob said last week, he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as Bob explained, repent is simply turning your life around, turning where you were facing away from Jesus, you now turn towards Jesus, and you say, and, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that is good news. That where, where what God wants done is done, it's close by. It's close to you. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn around. God and all his resources are really next to you. So he makes that proclamation. And then he goes on to demonstrate the fact that this is true. And he goes and he heals the sick. And it's very specific. It says that uh, Jesus heals people in severe pain. He heals people from seizures, and he heals the paralyzed, and he drives out demons. Where people are tormented by evil, he drives that out. And people come from an extraordinary range of places as well. It says they come from Syria, from Galilee, from the Decapolis, from Jerusalem, and from across the Jordan. So they're coming from everywhere. So this is a real scene. Something is really happening. Heaven is coming to earth into people's lives in a fresh way. And out of this, out of this proclamation and out of this demonstration of the kingdom of heaven being at hand, being right here with you right now, out of this he sits down and teaches. And he's teaching this kind of thing. He's saying what you have just seen, what you've just observed, what you've just experienced is this, is this. And he teaches them about the kingdom of heaven has come near. He shows them the sick and the tormented who have just experienced on earth as in heaven. And he says, look, the rule of the heavens has come down upon you and upon them as they've turned and met with Jesus. So, what does he say? What is he really saying? Jesus says in the Beatitudes that various kinds of people are blessed. For example, the poor in spirit are blessed. Those who mourn are blessed. Those who are meek, those who are persecuted. Now this is, you know, at least complicated. It might be shocking even. Or it's certainly a little obscure. So the question is, and people have interpreted this in different ways. And I think the essential question is this. Are these 
instructions of what we should aspire to as Christians in order to be blessed. Is being poor in spirit essentially being humble-hearted, so then God can bless you and me. If I'm humble-hearted, then God will bless me. Or if I mourn well my own brokenness, my own sinfulness before the Lord, will that trigger blessing from God? Is it, in, is it an instruction about how to be? Or are they illustrations of lots of human conditions where you would assume that God is probably far away, but in fact he is really close? Do you get, my, do you get the difference? Somebody give me a nod. Okay, all right. A few of you get the difference. Are they instructions? Are they things that we should aspire to? Should we aspire to be people who, who mourn, who are poor in spirit, and who are persecuted? Or do they just describe uh, situations where God, you would assume that God is far away, but is in fact close at hand? Let's look at them for a moment. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Or as, as St. Luke says, he just says, blessed are the poor. So blessed are those who are spiritually and physically destitute. And in the Greek, it uh, it's kind of refers to a word that someone who cowers or crouches like a beggar. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, people who weep, who wail, who grieve, who've been left and abandoned and rejected and deserted. They're blessed because they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. The shy may be the mild, even intimidated, unassertive, overlooked. The meek will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who long for things to be made right, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, either in themselves or justice, looking for justice in a broken world. Jesus says they will be filled. They're blessed. They will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Now that seems like a good quality and in, and in lots of ways it is. But the merciful outside of the kingdom of God are often people who are taken advantage of. But he says, blessed are the merciful because they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Again, there's good things obviously about being pure in heart. Being uncontaminated on the inside. But I think... Um, He's juxtaposing that with not being shiny on the outside. Being shiny on the inside, but not on the outside. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God, says Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers. If you've been a peacemaker in a difficult situation, you'll know that peacemakers are the ones who are always caught in the middle. They're the ones who cop it from both sides. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And the last one. The eighth one, blessed are the persecuted, those people who are attacked, tortured, maligned, slandered, harassed, insulted for doing good. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, like the first one. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if you read Luke's gospel, where he, where he does, a, like a, I suppose, a shorter summary of this sermon, Luke says this, basically, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the weeping, and blessed are the hated. Now that sounds complicated. Now I think it's the second of those two, uh, when I was asking that question earlier. It's not instruction, it's illustration. These people are blessed, not because these things are effective in themselves, being poor in spirit, 
but that because God is going to act on their behalf. Are they blessed because they're poor in spirit? No, I don't think so. The poor in spirit are not called blessed by Jesus because they are in the right condition, i.e. they're kind of humble-hearted, but precisely in spite of and in the midst of their terrible condition. God has touched them with the resources of heaven through the grace of Christ. The blessing is not a reward of a spiritual state, but because Jesus Christ has made the kingdom of heaven come close to uh, people on earth. And it's, it's kind of attractive to misinterpret this, I think. To say that because uh, that we can get ourselves into a particular state where God will bless us, that we can exhibit humility like a badge of virtue. But it does mean that we can engineer our own way into the kingdom of God. But the, the kingdom of heaven is not available on earth to me because I am humble-minded, thank God. But because Jesus Christ has made it available and comes close to me and to you. So, the writer Dallas Willard said this, The Beatitudes simply cannot be good news if they are understood as a set of how-tos for achieving blessedness. They're not instructions, but they are illustrations drawn from the immediate setting where people were getting, the sick were being healed, uh, the demonized were being set free, and people's lives were being utterly transformed. They're illustrations of the closeness of heaven on earth when you meet Jesus. When you meet Jesus, all the resources of heaven are close, and he is ready to act in your life and in the life of your family and your community. The rule of God from heaven is truly available in life circumstances that are beyond all human hope, and that is good news. And that's why the Beatitudes are good news, because it's about grace. It's about grace. That there is no condition or circumstance in your life or my life, in your personal history, there's no sin or wound or exhaustion or mental health trouble. Nothing in your life will repel God from coming after you with his love and power. Nothing. So you might say, blessed are those with nothing. Blessed are the sick, blessed are the hopeless, the poor, the unemployable, the addicted, the offender. Blessed are the lonely, the hurting, the bereaved, the self-harming. Blessed are the homeless, and blessed are those who are left in a home. Blessed are the brutal, blessed are the bigoted, blessed are the unpleasant, and th thankfully, blessed are the normal, just trying to get through the day. God is close to you. God is close to you because that is his nature. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You could paraphrase as turn your life around because God is close to you and wants to do amazing things in your life. It's the nature of God to want to do that. It's the nature of God that he wants to bring his resources from heaven to earth, that he is close And I think Jesus is particularly saying that because the religious system of his day left so many people out of the kingdom of heaven. And if you want to read in Matthew 23, there are eight woes, which are like the opposites of these eight blessings. And the eight woes are generally delivered to religious professionals who think they've got it sorted out. So religious professionals, more than anyone, have to watch out. Jesus hated 
people to be left out. There's a line in a song uh, that I remember Joe really liked, and uh, the line goes like this, Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Is that true? Yes, it's true. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So God is close to us. God is close to each one. God, God is close to people in your family that you have been praying for for, for a long while. God is close to people you really hate and can't get along with. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Where what God wants done is done is really close. And we find that hard to fathom. But it's the grace of God that comes to us like this. And he comes and makes a complete difference in our lives. And most of us in this room will have known that at some point or other, or at different kinds of points in our lives. And I, uh, I just want to say, I think the Lord wants to really revive us again, but with his closeness, with his power, with his presence. And uh, what it takes for us to get in on that is just to bring ourselves. We, I think uh, in the prayers we had earlier, or... Maybe something Sam said, that we bring all of ourselves. We bring our joys, we bring our despairs, we just bring everything. We don't leave our troubles at the door, we just bring it all. And God is close, and he comes and brings his transformation. So, gosh, is that the time? Well, I think we should do some prayer. Because I think God is God is on this to do a particular thing. So here's the thing I, I really sense that the, the Lord wants to do. Um, comes from uh, a well-known passage in Isaiah 40. And you all know this. Or many of you will know it. So Isaiah says this. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. And this is the promise, I think, for us today, for those, any of you who want to get in on this. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He gives strength to the weary and increases power of the weak, for the weak. And if you are... If you would count yourself amongst the company of the weary, particularly after the last couple of years, or in the company of the weak, then I think uh, God is wanting to pour out his presence, heaven to earth, on us today. So here we go. Should we do that? All right. Uh, how many, could you just raise a hand if you're, if, you're, if you're prayer ministry trained here? Okay, so a bunch of you, great. Um, we uh, just want to give the chance, and we have actually bags of time, because that was quite a t short talk, wasn't it? I don't know how that happened. What? I started early. Okay, all right, <laughs> there we go. So we have a lovely time just to, just to soak in the Lord's presence, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, so... Um, those of you who indicated, would you be ready to pray in just a moment? But why don't we stand together? 
I'm going to just do a prayer amongst us all. And then I'm going to ask... Uh, it, actually, not yet, thanks. Um, uh, just, uh, uh, I'll just lead a prayer uh, for us so that we open ourselves to the kingdom of heaven being at hand. And then uh, I would ask you uh, to, to make, um, if you want to get prayer, to come and just uh, make a kind of crowd at the front or so, all around here. And then people can just spend some time praying for you. And if you, are, if you want to be a, a little distant from people because of COVID, then just be a little distant, but just wave, you know, say, yeah, I want prayer. And people will come and pray slightly at a distance. That's okay, but I think God is here and He's wanting to do these things. So, if you are, if you, are, if you count yourself amongst the weary or count yourself amongst the weak, uh, we're going to ask for God's strength, which comes from the Holy Spirit. Maybe you want to stick your hands out in front of you. And just quietly in your hearts, um, just thank the Lord that he is close. A poet once wrote that God is closer than breathing, nearer than hands and feet. And just imagine that for a moment. He is right here with you. And just spend a few moments thanking him. Thanking him that he is not far away. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Your resources are close. So just in a few moments of quiet again, just um, just repent, which means just turn yourself to face Jesus, however that works for you. Turn yourself to face him. And what it does is it indicates your need of him. And that you're also turning away from other sources of comfort and power. You're turning to him.
So, Father, as we turn towards you, ask for your Holy Spirit, your presence to come and rest on us, your resources to come. May your kingdom come, may your will be done in our lives right now. Holy Spirit, come.